0: Hello everyone. Today we are going to go through our new report uh, published in July 2020 uh, about vitamins and health supplements uh, markets or market in China. Here to talk about it with me is Alison.
1: Hi, I'm Alison, the marketing manager at Dashway Consulting.
0: Thanks for being here. So Today, we go through this um, topic, which is vitamins and health supplements in China, which has been a topic for years. Um, It has been impacted by cross-border e-commerce. It has been uh, actually, um, I don't know if I could say dominated, but influenced a lot by um, brands from um, overseas. And we are going to see which countries are more valued by by the Chinese consumers. Um, But if we compare uh, China to the West. What would be your conclusions, Alison, after reading the, the report?
1: So I think one thing that really sticks out is there's there's different motivations to take healthcare supplements in China. Um in China the number one concern is skin health and the appearance of skin. So a lot of the supplements will market themselves towards skincare, and you might even see For example, um, a specific supplement that's in China marketed as a skincare product, but then or it helps with skincare. And then in the West, it might be marketed as helps with the immune system or something else.
0: Very interesting. So it has been in some way rebranded um, uh, for the Chinese consumers. And um, I think in the report, we mentioned that there was some uh, so fake statements, do you feel that the fact that the same vitamins would be branded for skin instead of immune system in other countries would be considered as a fake se- um, um, statement or is it just different properties which are um, um, communicated on? What, 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 what's, um, what's your reaction when you read report?
1: yeah that's very interesting um it's hard to say whether it's really fake i mean we would really have to dig into the research done by the companies that created the products and did their own testing for their own health departments and their in the local government's approval but um yeah i do think that for example some products in china might be marketed as like skin lightening um especially like on, on another note, like some moisturizers might be um, marketed as skin lightening, whereas in the West, moisturizers are known to keep your skin more tan because it causes you to not shed skin. So um, yeah, I think in order to really know the answer to that, you would have to follow like a group of consumers for a while to see how it really, how the vitamins really manifest in their body. There, To a certain extent, there's obviously going to be uh, an amount of you know the the mental factor or the placebo effect like if you believe yeah. a certain vitamin is going to make your skin look healthier or it's going to improve your immune system you might look in the mirror and say wow my skin is glowing today when in reality you know you don't really know if it's improved that much
0: and um, in the topics you wanted to mention to you uh, when we compare China to the West is about um, the level of consumption and the room for growth, which seems to be still steep in China.
1: Yeah, so currently China's vitamin market has about a 10% year-on-year growth rate. Now this is about the same growth rate as the US in the 70s. But in the US in the 70s, a lot of these products were still developing and a lot of them would have very negative side effects. And so obviously this would hinder the market growth. But right now, um, a lot of these products, they have already been perfected over, over a couple decades now. And so there's a lot of room for them to really be successful and grow very quickly. However, that being said, uh China's market size is still quite a bit smaller. Um if I look at the number sorry, I have to look at the number real quick. But um China's thought, market think, size. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the numbers you came up with um when we talked about it is that uh it, it was a per capita ex- in uh standing. Yes. And uh, China was still standing on 18 dollars USD right where the US yeah. is like one
1: consumption yeah is only 18 dollars USD per person whereas in the US it's like around um 400 or was it 140
0: It's 148, the number you came came with. So that's a very, very uh, common way of looking at where it could still grow in China. What segment could still grow is to look at the per capita consumption and to say that China, uh, within the coming 10, 20 years, will uh, catch up the level of Korea of the US. So um, it would be a tenfold or maybe eightfold uh, growth if we look at the the numbers. That may not happen, but that gives a little bit an idea of the gap um, which could be caught up. At least, uh, certainly the case, let's say, for half the population is certainly uh, believable, maybe not the entire population. So it's still a fold of maybe four or five times.
1: Yeah, and then for Japan and Korea, the per capita um, expenditure on health supplements is around $100. So that's still um, like five times more than China.
0: Yeah, so that's that's certainly why as well a lot of brands are looking at, at China because they see that there is an appetite for it, there is a culture of of eating um, supplements or superfood uh, to become a little bit of, uh, that's a topic I like to discuss, about a bit of a superhuman. I feel there is a bit in China, a culture of being super efficient and super superman or superwoman. And, and uh, in order to reach this level, either to exercise or to eat of supplements. So in terms of culture, it seems to fit. And in terms of spending, it seems not to have reached uh, the, the the maximum
1: yeah, um definitely. I think um, Chinese, especially uh, millennials and Gen Z are really looking to become or the best that they can be, and they're they're willing to make purchases to do so. Um, some factors for a healthy lifestyle perceived among Chinese people are, for example, a balanced diet which in a survey by Mintel, um, 50% of Chinese believe that it's important and they do have a healthy diet, but then 49% believe that it is important, but they don't believe that their diet is healthy enough. And so this is just an example of about 50% of people um, are out there and they think they want to do better. They want to close that gap between their ideal self and their current self
0: and that's something interesting in the report as well we didn't want to dig in too much when we were talking about the report today but when when you look at the um, uh, search on Baidu and what's trending um, one of the trends during and after Covid was to try to understand what is junk food and what is healthy food because actually uh, people have had time to distinguish what is junk food and healthy food we think about um, fast food when we think about junk food but um, it's not necessarily healthy when it's not a uh, fast food. Uh, is um, very oily uh, dishes healthy? Certainly not. And so there is a, 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 a request, um, a quest, I would say, uh, by Chinese consumers to understand what healthy and not healthy is during COVID and after COVID. So that's, that brings up a topic about COVID, how, how COVID has impacted uh, the industry overall, um, the sales, the perceptions. I think, think it's also impacted prices.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so COVID-19 did stimulate the sales of vitamins and health supplements. For sure, one topic is immunity. And based on the results from from Baidu searches, you can see that the search for how to improve immunity has skyrocketed um, around the time that Wuhan uh, was closed down. So, and then that results in people trying to optimize their health. And so, vitamins, um, they had some big online deals. Um, so, during February, March, and April, some top brands like Buy Health and Swiss were already up in sales by around 40 to 60 percent from the year before and of course a lot of this is because people were in general shopping online more and so because this is measuring online sales that can um, explain some of these numbers but there was a lot of price dropping from february march april to try and encourage these consumers to hop online and buy their products
0: yeah um true that we need to remember that the shops closed so the online sales may have cannibalized uh, the the offline sales. So all in all, uh, the market may not have grown as as much as 40, 60% uh, during and after COVID. Um, what kind of vitamins um, um, Chinese uh, eat most? Uh, you mentioned that some vitamins are marketed uh, towards skin uh, more than in the West, but are there some vitamins that Chinese prefer or health supplements?
1: So the most popular vitamin is vitamin E and in the U S for comparison, vitamin E falls in like the eighth or ninth spot for, for vitamins. Um, yeah. And vitamin E is marketed as something for skin, something to help elderly. Um, and then after vitamin E comes vitamin C, which is a bit more popular in the U S at least because it's known for, um immunity preventing colds um, so yeah and then after that is vitamin a which is of course known to help eyesight
0: um, we mentioned at the beginning that um health supplements and vitamins um um again i'm not sure to use the right word by dominated but are largely influenced by overseas players foreign players how how are how the, how the different countries perceived by, by Chinese people? We know that Australia and New Zealand usually have um, a good image in terms of nature, in terms of food. Uh, is it the case in um, vitamins and health supplements, and what other countries stand out?
1: So, Australia definitely stands out. Um, 22% of the vitamin imports in China are from Australia. They're known for vitamin C, calcium, collagen, grape seed, and dietary fiber. Um, And I think the idea that Australia is um, kind of green, uh, healthy, natural is definitely true in this case. There is uh, one Australian brand that their offline store is kind of like an Australian theme. And it's decorated kind of like kind of like a forest or a jungle and it's all green and leaves and i think that's definitely consistent with their marketing message of being hey we're australian so we're natural and um yeah i think that's very effective in the vitamin industry second is the us um they are account for 20 percent of imports and they're known for big brands like gnc um and so some of those marketing strategies they use like KOLs um, and they're known because they have a big strong brand name and so some people when they're looking for trustworthy brand names they might go for some of these foreign brands
0: so you already touched a point about uh, marketing strategies uh, for health supplements by mentioning some KOL Um, you mentioned three strategies or tactics um that you wanted to go into one is to use multiple channels to reach consumers you already mentioned shops uh, offline shops and the second one is to market to the right consumers and in the report we see that um the most um the segment uh, expressing the highest interest into vitamins and health supplements doesn't mean this, the segment which is buying the most actually, but the one which is um, expressing most interest is about twenty twenty nine year old, um, and then you have the thirty thirty nine. But this is really the core segment which looks always a bit younger than when you would expect uh, twenty twenty nine. And so, to marketing to to market to the right consumer would be your second recommendation to be very careful on this. And secondly, is to leverage social media um, and gain insight from them. Could you elaborate a bit more about those three, three directions you suggest to form um, brands, uh, you yeah. have supplements and vitamins to explore?
1: Yeah, so on the first point, um, using multiple channels to reach consumers. In China, omnichannel is very important. New retail, which is the combination of online and offline um so like we talked about earlier a lot of that a lot of these products are sold on on platforms like um alibaba's taobao and tmall but at the same time um, a lot of the brand awareness comes from seeing the stores and going into the stores um one of the strategies that brands use is pop-up stores which is where they kind of have like a little exhibit pop up on the street or in the mall and these little Pop up stores, they really encourage people to take pictures and share on social media, which for them, after the cost of the pop up store, the following social media sharing is all free for them. Um, GNC has had pop up stores, Blackmore's, um, and yeah, so that's how they reach consumers. They do branding offline, and you can, of course, purchase offline too, but that increases their brand awareness, and then the stores are very interactive, and then they might hop online for that final purchase um next point marketing to the right consumers so based on our analysis from baidu who's searching about vitamins well um it appears that 20 to 29 year olds are the main people searching for these products in contrast when we did an analysis on searching for healthy food the target age the the age group of the people searching for healthy food was the 30 year olds so it does show that The 20 to 29 year olds, they are definitely um, curious to learn more about these products and maybe compare them online. So, a lot of the brands do cater their marketing tactics to reach these groups. Uh, One strategy is KOL marketing. Um, Another example, which I thought was pretty clever, was that um, one group that had one. Brand that had a sleep supplement It's called Yangshan Tang. It's a Chinese brand. Um, they mm-hmm. actually target people who stayed up at stay, stay up late at night, which is likely to be, you know, like college students. Um, and they have these videos that play late at night um, talking about like uh, marketing their products and they also have um, comics released late at night. Kind of to target those people, similar to to Jai people, like we talked about last time, is targeting that group of people. Um, so that's kind of some interesting ways. There's another um, by Health collaborated with Transformers, um, which was really popular when the 20 to 29 year olds when they were kids. So it's a little bit of a nos- nostalgia marketing right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's it's interesting. Yeah. To to see um to see young Shantung targeting a specific specific Context uh, in which um, you may think of um, health supplements or vitamins. I really like those niches where you, you find your sweet spot, uh, and uh, Yang Shantong seems to have found fa- to have found that. Uh, and but by health, um, working with collaborating with transformers. I um, I have been always um, since I'm in China um, surprised how transformers. Have been popular in China um, and competing with uh, Disney. Um, I don't know if it's part of Disney. but I don't think so, right?
1: I don't know. I was never a fan of it.
0: <laughs> but it it seems to be more familiar, more more familiar to Chinese than the mm-hmm. uh, very well known Disney cartoons or movies uh, than we would have been familiar with in Europe or in the US. Transformers, I made. I'm. I'm. I really. Uh, made a mark in China.
1: Right, um, and on a similar note, what's also interesting is, while Star Wars kind of took the, took over the world and everybody's um, seen all the Star Wars movies, Star Wars is actually not famous in China at all.
0: Interesting too, yeah, very, very yeah. interesting. We need to challenge all, all what we believe as well known and um, um, as um, uh, take it, taken for granted in China, always re- reconsider it. And the last one you were mentioning is leveraging social media to reach consumers and gain insights
1: yeah, um so when it comes to reaching consumers, one interesting thing is Chinese people, especially on WeChat, they love to use emojis and little you know those little like dancing cartoons um they love to use those, and so Blackmore has actually released their own emoji um, for one, and then also um. Something that's very interesting is, if these brands can do some social media listening to see what Chinese consumers are saying about their brands, there's a lot to learn. Um, One, some three key things that we picked out that was very interesting to us is some of the three biggest complaints about vitamins. Was one, that the pill tasted bad, um, that two, that the pill was too large, or three, that the effects were not obvious enough. For the first two points,
0: mm, yeah, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I like to stop on peel tasted bad. Maybe that's something you wanted to say, but the fact that the peel tastes bad, I'm wondering if it's not good because you don't expect something healthy to taste good. You don't expect um, a medicine to taste good. Actually, if it tastes bad, it may link more to something more scientific and chemical or or which can I mean, can in a positive way, I mean, made by science as something made, um, on purpose, not to please you, but to do good for your body.
1: Yeah. I thought, what I thought was really interesting is that, um, like these vitamins are obviously like, they're not made to be eaten or really chewed on. Um, that's why what's interesting is in China, they say, they say literally eat medicine, but in the West we say take medicine. I don't know how it is in French, but in English it's, we don't think of it as eating. And so um, I think what was very interesting is they would say that the medicine or that the uh, vitamin is 不好吃, it doesn't taste good. And I think, well, from my perspective, uh, from the Western perspective, um, obviously like it's not it's not candy. Um, I mean, they can add a little bit of sugar to their recipe to maybe make it taste better, but the purpose is not, not for taste. Um, True. Although some some vitamin C ones might taste citrusy, but there's some pills like um, fish oil pills, for example, they're not going to taste good. So I just thought that was very interesting that they comment that it tastes bad and they complained about that. I actually went and looked at Amazon reviews of Western or in the West and uh, I saw that nobody was commenting about the taste because you just think that's irrelevant. But that's a good point to say, maybe maybe the product was not stored properly. Maybe it was not kept in a cool enough um, condition, or maybe it was past the expiration or something. Um, yeah. And then a second it's, it's point was that
0: the- how mm-hmm. um, semantics, and I would even say semiotics, uh, could influence also the comments from from consumers because of the, the expression to eat um, uh, medicine. In French, we say the same in the US, to take medicine instead of taking, uh, which suddenly would imply different thinking and French relationship with with, um, with food and with medicine, uh, and to associate food and medicine because you eat medicine. That's a very interesting point. And the last thing you wanted to mention is about healthy lifestyle, right?
1: yeah so we were curious to look at how do chinese define a healthy lifestyle um obviously that can be something can be perceived as differently across cultures um what we found was very interesting is that among chinese people nutritious food is definitely the most important factor in their um, the first choice they make to improve health condition after that is um, trying to make better life choices, like sleeping more, or, um, or maybe even Chinese, using tra- Chinese traditional medicine. And then health supplements comes next. But what I thought was interesting is sports and fitness um, came last. And I don't know if this is my own personal bias, but I think in the US when we think, oh, we wanna make healthy life choices, we think first we go to the gym, and the very last thing is changing our eating habits. We always, we always want to outwork a bad diet. We always want to try and work it off at the gym. But in China, it looks like it's the opposite. Um, it seems that nutritious food comes first and fitness comes last. Health supplements are in the middle. Um,
0: but like you mentioned, with the
1: yeah, with, with the language, um, especially with the, the word for taking health supplements being to eat, I wouldn't be surprised if that's more closely related with the perception of nutritious food.
0: Interesting. Um, also in China, um, I'm, I, my experience is that um, there is this uh, tendency to think about a miracle solution like uh, when you get, you don't feel good, or you have a cold, you would drink hot water and yeah. to uh, And yeah. then you have this uh, one solution fits all. Uh, I feel with vitamins and with health supplements, you have this bit relationship also, like a miracle solution to whatever problem you have, uh, except that you may have one specific vitamin, a health supplement to solve your right. uh, specific problem instead of one solution fitting all. Another thing I, like, I, I liked in the report and found very inspiring, interesting, and something certainly to look at more deeply in the future is about how to market uh, vitamins and health supplements, and it seems that the packaging is very important. Uh, it seems also that when you want to um, connect with uh, the Gen Z, you may um, uh, think also about Buddhist health care. Uh, You may also think about some um, um, ingredients like honey, goji berry, uh, tea with health ingredients, uh, fermented food, wheat protein, that thing that um, uh, resonate with Gen Z. And lastly, um, health is not only, we talked about heating medicine, but actually there are a lot of other products um, to be able to make it possible for health supplements and vitamins to co-brand their product, which are devices, which are electric related appliances. That's something certainly a bit uh, new in the mind of consumers to have like air purifiers, to have a water purifier, to have uh, different tools, you may, um, devices with um, uh, plugged with electricity um, or IoT connected to the internet uh, for health. Um, one being uh, all the Xiaomi devices to track your health, um, like your pulse and so on. So there are a lot of opportunities to communicate about health. I think in China uh, it's very very um, aware um, market about uh, about health. Um, do you feel the same?
1: Yeah. Um. In fact, you mentioned about the Chinese like a magical solution um i think that's very interesting because i think it it, eastern medicine is kind of um it's about bringing the body back into balance and they believe that all health problems are caused from the body being out of balance and so so doing something like drinking hot water um to somebody who who believes in that is drinking hot water it, it will solve digestive issues it will solve um skin issues it will solve um any kind of stomach ache um if you ate something bad um and of course if you have like the flu or anything you absolutely are supposed to drink hot water so i think that there's a lot of belief that no matter what problem your body is having it's having it because it's out of balance and then there's these key um things that can bring your body back into balance, whether it means cooling you down or warming you up based on the yin and yang. Whereas Western medicine is targeting like, okay, so you have a stomach problem and we have to identify what the problem is. And based on what the problem is, there will be a specific um, remedy for that or medicine for that. And it might not be, we won't relate it to another problem that you're having in the body. So I think um, even though there's a lot of Chinese people today who don't necessarily believe in Chinese medicine, you'll still find that when talking about food or when talking about a lot of just different um, life things that these beliefs will kind of sneak their way into the conversation and into the thought. And um, yeah, if, if that makes any sense, like whether they believe in chinese medicine or not they've grown up with the culture and they've grown up with family members telling them um what to eat when you're feeling a certain way or what ingredients help with what type of illness and i think it's hard to separate that in um for the rest of their life and so i think that using these very uh, traditional ingredients like goji berries or fermented food um or even using them and then marketing them in the products um again, ginger is a really good one in ginseng. True. Um, that could be very beneficial for marketing in China versus like if you use ginger in uh, in your marketing in the West, people might be like, okay. Like, what is that supposed to do?
0: Hmm. tell very true. Um, thanks for taking the time, Alison, to talk about the report. And if you want to know more um, about the report, you can find the report on SlideShare. They are all uh, stored on our SlideShare and on our website. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Yep, thank you. Thanks for having me.